Thanks for joining us today. At City Life, we have one purpose, making it easy for people to say yes to Jesus. We believe today's message will empower you to do exactly that. But remember that church is so much more than a sermon you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life. So good. Well, good morning. Hello, happy Sunday. Hey, that's great. I love it. There's feedback here. I hope you give us some feedback online as well. You're, um, you can put in the chat, hello, good morning, all those good things. Or maybe it's good evening. Maybe it's a Friday night for you. It's 10 o'clock and you want my beautiful voice to lull you to sleep. Well, bad idea because this is a message of Jesus and it's going to shake you up and get you just ready to stay up all night because you heard the word of truth today. So I hope that this encourages you this morning. As it said on that super cool intro, man, Savannah just crushed it again. She's just amazing. People have gifts and they sow them into God's house and it is so cool. It makes our experience awesome. And this Into the Wild series, well, when I heard that I got to uh, start this series, I was like, Into the Wild, wasn't there a movie called Into the Wild at some point? And so I looked this up and yes, there was a movie, 2007, Into the Wild. I didn't watch it because I just don't give much time to movies, but in, it was based on a movie in 1996, or on a novel in 1996 that was written called Into the Wild. Sorry, it's just great seeing all these faces. I didn't see everybody, and so it's just great. I love it. It blesses my heart. Um, but I wanted to share with you, I thought it was interesting when I read a little synopsis about this novel or this movie uh, about the story because it really feeds into where I'm going today. So I'm going to just read this little section of the end of the story of a man by the name of Christopher McCandless and his desire to leave life behind. So he wanted to leave all his belongings, his family, his friends. He wanted to get out of here and go off into the wild. And this is what happened. So four months later, at the abandoned bus, which is where he was living, life for McCandless becomes harder, and he makes several poor decisions. As his supplies dwindle, he realizes that nature is harsh and uncaring. McCandless concludes that true happiness can be found only when shared with others. And he seeks to return from the wild to his friends and family. However, he finds that the stream that he had crossed during the, during the winter had become wide, deep, and violent due to the snow thaw, and he was unable to cross it. Saddened, he returned to the bus. In a desperate act, McCandless is forced to gather and eat roots and plants. He confuses similar plants, and he eats a poisonous one. Resol falling sick as a result, slowly dying, he continues to document his uh, process of self-realization and imagines what it might have looked like if he had managed to return to his family. He writes a farewell letter to the world and crawls into his sleeping bag to die. So spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the movie, he dies. And that's really unfortunate. But I just thought it was so powerful because the root of his demise was really that he thought that if he left everything behind, life would somehow be better. 
And I don't know about you, but especially in this COVID season of sometimes there's this distance, but there's also a lot of people who are close in your circle, in your bubble sometimes for extended periods of time. And you're like, get me out of here. You know, if I could stop schooling these children or having them with me all the time, or if I could, you know, not have to be around my spouse all the time, or if I didn't have to work this job and navigate all these changes, and if people would just kind of leave me alone and let me get out of here, I would do so much better. I would do so much better on my own. And we've, we've preached during this season, this COVID season, even we've talked about how rest and silence and solitude and how essential it is for us being healthy, spiritually healthy individuals and how we need that silence and solitude. Excuse me. And it's been so awesome. And online, if you're watching, you know, like say, yeah, it was good or a thumbs up if you've enjoyed this series. And it's been so refreshing to remember that, oh, I actually need this getaway time, this silence and solitude and Sabbath. It's so essential. But as Monica said a couple weeks ago, you know, to deal with the intensity and the anxiety of this season, we actually need each other. And so we need to go into the wild of relationships and say, you know what? We need to dive deeper because this season is going to require a depth that we haven't needed before, where we need each other. We need to figure this out together because if your tendency is to retreat and isolate, just remember our friend Christopher, you know, we don't want to lose you in this. We want you to stay with us so that we can get through this together. I have a question for you. Have you ever been a tourist? I have. I love being a tourist. I think it's awesome. And raise your hand in the chat if you've been a tourist as well. And a tourist, by definition, is a person who is traveling or visiting a place for pleasure. So a tourist says, one... I'm here for me, and two, what can I get? And those are in, in your message notes in our YouVersion app are on, and connected to our CTY, our, our City Life app, is YouVersion notes, so you can follow along and add notes in there or pen and paper, old school, like I like to do. So that's what a tourist is saying, is, is I, um, I'm here for me, and what can I get? A tour guide, however, is much different by definition. It's a person employed to show tourists around a place of interest. So a tour guide says, how can I help? Kind of like our welcome home t-shirts, so nice. You're sporting it so well there. How can I help? That's what our team says, how can I help? And number two, a tour guide says, how can I make this experience the best possible? I wanna make this great for you, so how can I do that? Jeremy actually has a couple cousins who are tour guides. One who brings people through incredible places in Europe and another who actually takes people to the wild horses in Virginia, which would be so cool. I really want to do that tour. But I asked them, I said, you know, what do you need to know? What's important about being a tour guide? And of course, the first thing is, is you need to know where the bathroom is. That's essential. And I would say yes to that because between having small children or being pregnant or, you know, it's like the bathroom is important. So he said, you have to know that. But then after that, both of these guys said that the most valuable part of my job is to create an experience for someone. 
for them to experience the history as if they're still living it, as if they're somehow connected to it, to evoke emotion in people so that they feel like, oh man, this is amazing and I am actually going to remember this because it's so impactful. And that's what their goal is. And to make it fun, I find tour guides are usually, you know, being, having fun is part of us remembering and things sticking in our brain as well. And so a good tour guide makes you laugh as well. And they're engaging. I also believe, because I've experienced it firsthand, that a tour guide is also important for keeping you safe, for helping you navigate things that are very challenging. Jeremy and I had the opportunity in 2004 to go sledging down a river in New Zealand. It was an incredible experience, but I just have to tell you what I had to wear in order to even just get onto the river. So I had a full hockey helmet with cage and a full piece wetsuit, life jacket, um, flippers, and then this like very hardcore kind of boogie board that had male or uh, metal rails on it that you hang on to. And that's how we were gonna go down the river. So you can imagine we're not floating. We're not just like, woo, this is awesome. Pass me a bag of chips, you know. We're not doing that kind of floating. It was intense. And even before we got on the river, the tour guide was very clear with us. You have to stay with me. You have to follow me. Because if you go right at this point on the river, there's these two rocks that have formed this wedge. If you end up in this wedge, you could die. It has happened. Don't go there. Okay, well, okay. Okay, I won't go there. And then if we get to this other part of the river, it's like if you go left, you're going to miss the hydro shoot. And I don't want you to miss it. It's really fun. It's going to shoot you off and it's going to drive you down into the river and it's going to toss you around like you're in a washing machine and then spit you out. It's so great. You don't want to miss it. And it was that or you get like drug over the rocks. So I was like, okay, hydro shoot left. This one, right. No, was it right? Left. Anyway, I'm like, okay, I'm going to follow my tour guide closely. And I was a little nervous at that point. I was like, okay, we're going to follow closely, follow closely. It wasn't what I had dreamt of. I'm thinking water slides. I'm thinking floating down, you know, the North Saskatchewan. This is different. And so we go down and we do, we navigate around this, you know, wedge of rock death. And then we get down and um, we get shot out of the hydro chute and we end up on the calm side where we're all supposed to meet and the dude isn't there. Like the tour guide gets spit, spit out the other way instead of where we are and I'm like getting really close to Jesus. I'm like, oh God, I know you're there. I know you're there and you're gonna lead me down this river. I was very terrified. But it is amazing when we don't have our tour guide with us, we feel unsafe and we feel like, how are we gonna navigate this? How are we gonna figure this out if my tour guide is now missing? And I feel like the season we're currently in, there's no tour guides. No one has done this before. No one has lived through a worldwide pandemic. No one has, has done their job the way they're supposed to at this distance and at this, this, this um, ratio of this people and these people. And it's like, how are we supposed to do this? We have never been here before. And no one has. But I wanted to employ you this morning to encourage you that as those who are followers of Christ, or if you've considered following Jesus, that we can be tour guides. 
we can actually be those who are connected to someone who actually knows the whole river. He sees the beginning and the end. So if we follow him, we will have what we need. In Proverbs 3 verse 7, it says, don't think for a moment that you know it all. And I feel like most of us, we're not feeling like we know it all. Nope, nope. But this is where wisdom comes from. It says, for wisdom comes when you adore him with undivided devotion. We give attention, again, to that one who knows what the river is like, who knows where the danger spots are, who knows where the best parts are that you don't want to miss. So we stay connected to the one. And then we say to others, you know, come follow with me. Come follow Jesus with me. I want, you follow me as I follow Jesus. Let's follow Jesus together. I don't know how long ago high school was for you. It was a little while ago for me. I, I know I look really young, but I, it was a while ago. But I still remember a lot of high school. And we learned about the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Anybody hear that word before? Yeah, yeah. Sociology 101. It was great. And learning about how human needs actually build on each other. How it's important to have certain needs met before we can actually realize and experience other, other needs that, that are essential for, for a human being. And I actually have, the media is going to throw up this chart, this image of the, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is so cool. So our basic level, of course, we need food and water and shelter. This is important. And then we need our safety needs met. We want to feel safe and secure. Like I can go to bed at night and not worry that I'm not going to wake up or that someone's going to get me. We need to feel safe. And right in the middle of this pyramid is love and belonging. You know, belonging to something and being loved is essential for the next two levels. Because of the way it builds on one another, we see that, you know, people walking around challenged with their own self-esteem issues or not being able to realize their fullest potential, which is the top of the pyramid, is because there can be this missing piece of feeling loved and belonging. And that's something that requires intimate relationships and friendships, as it says, so part of changing our world is actually making a place, making connections where people feel like they belong, like they are loved, and we can be part of that. I do find, though, with COVID, it's a bit like a, a rethinking how we do this. Because even, you know, Joanne joined us today for the first time in so long. It's so amazing to have you. Joanne walking miracle, you know, like working through cancer and healing. Praise Jesus. That is so good. And as a family, we celebrate that. And Joanne felt that God just let her. She had to come this morning. It's because I was preaching. And we have a connection. Yeah, she loves me the most, just in case you're wondering. But she came and it's like, I want to hug you. I feel like I can't express my love with, in this way. It's just hard at a distance where right now showing love is sometimes wearing a mask and staying six feet apart. And that's just a rewiring in our brain where we're trying to figure out. It's like, how do I love you and make you feel like you are important when we can't touch and be, be close and affectionate? 
Well, that's something that we navigate together. As community, we grow because God created us that way. The very inside of us is created for community and connection. And to grow spiritually, we actually must grow relationally. It's actually important as we, to grow to know Jesus more, we actually need to grow in relationship with others more because iron sharpens iron. That's what the word says, the word of God. And it's so important that we do connection well. You know, if you've ever heard the story of of Genesis, which is the very beginning of the Bible where God created everything, the heavens and the earth. And sometimes we can imagine that God was alone in this, that he created the world. You know, there was nothing then he created and he created us and we are the pinnacle of his creation. He created us because he wanted to do relationship with us and he wanted us to have relationship with one another and it was beautiful. But something we have to realize and kind of dissect is that God was never alone. God is a three-part being. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He was always fellowship and community and trinity. So therefore, we were birthed out of fellowship. We were birthed out of and put this image into us of being connected. So we need and have that very core in us where we need to be connected. A very core of what it means to be human is to be relational. It's not an option. We need relationship. But two of the major factors of opposition to connection and relationship are one, autonomy. We have this desire in our culture that I am a self-made person. That is my greatest goal is to make it to the top and do it on my own. I can do it by myself. And it's interesting because when you look at the culture when Jesus walked on the planet, that was impossible. Just meeting your basic foundational needs of food and clothing, you relied on this market type of living, this community type of living where no person could, you know, raise the sheep and milk the cows and have the vineyard and, and have, catch the fish. And he, you couldn't do it all. So you actually relied on trading and working together as a community just to feed and clothe your family. And now it's kind of like, if I have a, a cell phone and a credit card, I can do all things by myself. And it can come to you and you feel like you are made alone, like you can do this on your own. Another major opposing factor of connection is false or bad connections. I'm going to talk about false connections in a minute, but bad connections. You know, during this COVID pandemic, it grieves my heart so terribly to know that things like pornographic websites is where there's these blooming like communities of people because it's a place where people are, are getting vulnerable and finding connection. It's like that's an unhealthy connection. We need healthy places where we can be vulnerable, where we can grow in wisdom and connection and have, have healthy ways that aren't destructive to families and to communities. So how do we get to this place of love and belonging? Where we can become tour guides, like I said. And another word for tour guide is disciple. We, as a disciple, it's like being a tour guide. It's like, come along with me. I know maybe one more thing than you do. Let's figure this out together. Come follow me as I follow him. Let us follow Jesus together. 
Well, this scripture is the most powerful, and it's like the key for this message that I want you to eat all week. I want you to find this verse. This is in the Passion Translation. It's so powerful, and it gives us an insight of how we can do this way of life and how we can be the tour guide that we need to to be able to bring people along on this journey with us. And the scripture says, delightfully loved ones. That's us. If he loved us with such tremendous love, then loving one another should be our way of life. That is our way of life. But we always have a choice. God's given us free will. He's given us the ability to choose. And in keeping with the theme of the current situation, I'm going to give you three scenarios. Because if you have school-age children, you are all about the three scenarios right now. Tuesday at noon is the cutoff. If you haven't made the decision yet, are you going to send them to school in person? Are you going to virtually school them? Or are you going to homeschool them? Those are your three scenarios. Choose one. Oh, choose wisely. It's like, oh, oh, okay, I hope I make the right choice. I just decided on Friday. I'm so excited. Anyway, I'm going to give you three scenarios. One is to live and die alone. Hmm, kind of bleak. Two, to live and die surrounded by others. Or three, to live and die being known and being loved. So the first scenario, live and die alone. Like I said, it's kind of like our friend Christopher. It's not maybe our, our best option. It wouldn't be my desire for anyone, but yet there are times in our life where we feel so overwhelmed that it's like, get me out of here. One-way ticket to somewhere by myself, and I need to go. But generally, if you give yourself some space, take a holiday, you'll realize oh, there are at least some people I like that I'd be willing to be with, right? And I maybe need a few of them as well, which is a healthy way to come around. The second scenario is to live and die surrounded by others. And that's where I alluded to false connection. You know, we live in a culture, in a society where this is, I would say, our most common struggle is we have hundreds of friends on a screen and we know what you were doing last Tuesday or what, what your favorite, favorite you know, restaurant is, but yet to be actually known and loved for who we are is something that there's this gap. There's a lot of connection. We have more opportunities for connection than any generation before us. And yet we're walking around the loneliest of all. And so trying to navigate, you know, it's like, I don't want to just live on this planet being surrounded by others. I actually want to be known. I want to know others. I want to be loved and to love others. Who can you actually be vulnerable with? And that's the third scenario, to live and die being known and being loved. Again, this scripture, 1 John 4, 11, and I want you to hear it. So close your eyes because if you shut off your visual senses, which is like 80% of your stimulation, you can hear this voice. You can hear this word that says, delightfully loved ones, you are loved. If he loved us, he's poured this out, this such tremendous love, then loving one another, this outpour of this love should be our way of life. That's how we walk it out, is by knowing that we are loved. 
so that we can love others. And Jesus, while he walked on this planet, he, he gave us this model. It's so amazing that, that God not only walked on this planet, but he made sure that we had this credible reference to be able to look at and say, how am I supposed to live? And he gave us some keys on how to live. And when we look at Jesus's life, we see an 831 model. Just go with me on this. And if you're a numbers person, there's some wiggle room with the numbers, okay? The one doesn't change, but the three and the eight, it can, it can float a bit, okay? So you're not like, oh, 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 you, there's some wiggle room. The eight, three, one model. So Jesus had eight disciples that he did life with. And I know some of you are like, Jen, there's 12. Yes, I know there's 12. But there was eight disciples that he walked with, that saw him do miracles, that ate meals with him, that learned countless things from the master of the universe as they followed him closely and hung on every word to try and understand how he was living so that they could live in the same way. These disciples got a real education from the greatest master, but there were three who were always with him. There were three who climbed a mountain with him and saw Jesus transfigured before them, bright as light, shining before them. And Moses and Elijah joined them on the mountain, which were prophets who died hundreds of years before. They all had a, a little gathering on top of the mountain. These three were there. These three were also the ones who went to the Garden of Gethsemane with Jesus, who, who were with him in, in his, most, his, his most intense times while he was on this planet, where he was experiencing the most anguish before his crucifixion. These three were Peter, James, and John. Always in that order, never in any other order. Peter, James, and John. They were his closest three. They were the ones that he shared every thing with. And we always need people around us who will remind us of our ultimate mission, our ultimate destination. We need those people. I heard this powerful way that this was even depicted through the names Peter, James, and John. You know, Peter is actually the Greek word Petra or Petros, which means ta tablet or stone or law. And James is, is derived from uh, Yaku, the Greek word Yaku, which is Jacob. And Jacob means replacement or trickster. And John means gift of God or gift of grace. So Jesus, in his most vulnerable moments, had these three ar around him to remind him that his ultimate mission in life was to declare that the law had been replaced by grace. Isn't that powerful? It's like he kept them closest because he knew that they are part of what he needed to remind him of why he was here, to keep him on this journey. Who can you be vulnerable with? Do you have friends around you that remind you of your ultimate mission, your ultimate destination, your ultimate, why am I here? Why am I on this river? Remind me again, yes, because we are here to navigate this together. So Jesus had eight followers. He had three devoted friends, and he had his one, his number one. His daily communion with his father was a non-negotiable. He stole away. He took time because he knew that he needed it. And if he needed it, 
I probably really need it. If the Savior of the world needed that communion with his Father to be able to remind him of what he was doing and why he was doing it, then he would commune with him daily. Proverbs 3, 7 says, Become intimate with him in whatever you do, and he will lead you wherever you go. We are on this way of life. Come follow me as I follow Jesus. Let's do this together. And he will lead us as we become more intimate with with him. As we understand him more, then he will lead us where we need to go. So then we can bring others along with us as well. So who are your eight? Who are your three? Like I said, those numbers can move a little bit. But then there's the one. Where is your intimacy at with the one? the giver of the greatest power and direction and vision for your life. And we are leaning in right now in this season where things are changing of how we do community as, as, a, as a body of Christ, how we do groups, how we connect through online, through in person, how we make this work together. Again, 1 John 4, 11, delightfully loved ones. If he loved us with such tremendous love, then loving one another should be our way of life. So how do we be a tour guide? How do we be a disciple of Jesus? We lean into him. We become intimate with him. And I know I've given you the title of tour guide and the title of disciple this morning, but I want to give you a sticky title that I hope you will just remember throughout this week and stepping into this new season of life and what it looks like for the fall. And it was inspired by a a story I heard about the University of Southern California who actually, they, they... hired someone for their department, for the university, with the sole title of a director of belonging. The sole purpose of this person was to make others feel like they belonged, like they were meant to be there. And so I just encourage you, in whatever your title is in life, whether it's mom or dad or construction worker or day home provider or businessman or carpenter or whatever it is your title is, what your job is, how you function in life, can you add to it director of belonging? Can you be one who says, you know what? I want you to feel like you belong here. So I want to reach out to you. I want you to know that you belong, that we can look around and we can invite others to join us as we navigate what it looks like to follow Jesus. So just come with me as I follow him. It doesn't have to be complicated. It can be quite simple. But we as, as a community of believers who say that, you know what, Jesus is who changed my life. Jesus is who is the one who I'm following, then I need to have someone with me. Because, you know, part of following Jesus is not just doing it for ourselves or on our own. It's about committing and being joined to a family that says we're going to navigate this together. Because that's what God has created in all of us. We're going to um, join in singing with the band this morning, if you have a man. Jesus, you are so worthy. God, you are so mighty. You are so awesome. And that you would think of us 
that you would pour out your tremendous love to cover us, to lead us, to guide us, God, that we may navigate this journey of following you, of living on this planet, God, with the bumps and the challenges, God, we just trust that you are mighty, that you know the beginning and the end. You are all powerful, all knowing, and we just fall in love with you, Jesus. Again and again and again, we choose to follow you. We just take a moment right now and, you know, every week we just give an opportunity for those who have not yet said yes to following Jesus. And you have to know that God sent his only son just with the chance that you might say yes to him. He knew it was worth it if there was one. And how great is it that there is many, but there's not enough. If you have not yet said yes to Jesus, there's not enough. God doesn't want anyone to perish, but each one to come to repentance, to a life of love covered by his grace and following him with this community, navigating the, the strangeness of it all. God wants you. So we're just gonna pray together a prayer of saying yes to following Jesus. You can just repeat after me these words this morning. Jesus, thank you for your tremendous love for me. Jesus, thank you for forgiving me, for giving me a place to be loved and to belong to you. I wanna follow you. I want your way of life to be my way of life so that I can love others like you love me. I accept this free gift of being made new in you right now. In your wonderful name, amen. Amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you wanna take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor as a church to play just a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to seeing you soon here at City Life.